Darisha, thank you so much for being on Full Focus with me today. I'm excited to speak with you a little bit. I know you're an independent film director. You recently finished a film that you shot in the Caribbean in Trinidad and Tobago, to be exact. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited to speak with you a little bit about that experience and the struggles of an independent filmmaker going through their first film, because that was your fir first movie that you ever, first feature length film you ever, you ever made, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, before we go and dive into that experience, let's talk a little bit about yourself. What drew you to the business? What drew you to <laughs> film, TV, the whole world? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, in terms of filmmaking, I guess I've always wanted to be a filmmaker um, since I was young. I used to watch a lot of movies growing up, um, of course, on VHS. And uh, yeah, just I was inspired by a lot of films from the 80s and 90s. And um, were you, you grew up in Trinidad or in the U.S.? I grew up in Trinidad. So they were, you had access to, of course, all the all the Hollywood films there and you're a big fan? I was a huge fan, but I mean, of course, we were on a tiny island. And in those days, you know, we it would be, you know, months, sometimes years to get the actual film to us, you know, after it was released in the U.S. Right. Um, so a lot of films that maybe you would have watched up here, I wouldn't have seen for maybe like another year after it was released. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you would hear the buzz, right, about certain films. Yeah, you'd hear it like on the on M uh, the MTVs or, you know, you'd hear the buzz on the news channels and you're waiting eagerly to watch it, you know, until it came to the Caribbean. Yeah. So and then how did you get started in the like what was your first kind of gig, you know, coming when you started working in the field? When I came to Miami, I went to school to magnet schools and I did theater there and I was always really intrigued because my mom was a reporter in Trinidad. And, you know, I was really intrigued with the cameras and the lights and, you know, everything that was happening behind the scenes. So that's when I decided, you know what, I want to direct. I want to be able to learn the equipment and, uh, you know, be able to create something. Eventually you were given a script or just so that our, the listeners okay. know, The Cutlass is a film uh, about, it's a true story based mm -hmm. on a, on a beach party a teenage beach party gone wrong where someone did you get that i didn't get it okay uh some uh, a girl was kidnapped and taken into <laughs> i'm so sorry Jerisha, i'm trying to explain I what know, the film I know, is about i know i know but the, the bug <laughs> it was okay, in your face okay okay did you get it no okay it probably come back and you'll clap again in the middle of something i'm saying but it's okay we'll deal with it That's then so the cutlass okay. is a film it's about uh, a young girl that gets kidnapped and, and, and is taken into the jungles of Trinidad and it's a story of survival of her getting away from her captor and, uh, you know, worried, worried parents. And, you know, t t tell us a little bit more about how this whole thing came about. Like, how did you hear about the story? What intrigued you about the story? Why did you decide this is a film that I really want to make? Right. So um, Tanil Nawalo, she was the one who came to me um, with the story. She was studying theater and I had just finished film school and she came to me with the idea. She said, look, you know, I have this story that, you know, it's quite incredible. It's a, a really empowering female story. And it's someone that she knew that this had happened to. And um, I was really intrigued because, you know, just the way everything unfolded, the strength behind this individual and how she was able to 
keep herself composed throughout the whole ordeal and 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 work with and, and sort of they had like a, a an interesting chemistry that between her and her kidnapper which i think really helped her survive the whole entire thing the story was really incredible to begin with it's a true story and it happened to someone that you know it could have happened to any one of us any one of it could have happened to me it could have happened to any of my friends um and i thought it was really important to talk about um because you know it's about survival it's about also telling the story from both sides so we told it from the victim's perspective and from the kidnapper's perspective so we were able to even though he was the villain we were able to understand why he might have done what he did you know and it gave the audience a chance to empathize so i thought it was really important and it was actually the the victim who was able to see that at the end you know she was able to bring the, that knowledge to us that you know this was a horrible thing that happened to her, but at the same time, you know, he's human too. So that seems to be a pretty interesting endeavor because you knew that this, most of this took place in the jungles of Trinidad. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how did you even approach starting the pre-production of a film like that? Where do you get, obviously you need money to mm -hmm. be able to get anything going even if it's an independent low, low, independent low budget film right. you still need some funds how were you able to raise these funds for the film so um it so happened that during that time once the script the first draft the first couple of drafts of the script was completed um the Trinidad Tobago film company they were looking for projects so they had sort of a competition where producers were and producers and screenwriters were able to submit their work and we submitted our project and we were one out of three to get selected for funding um, so was a grant you got a grant yeah we got a grant there was a lot of in-kind work put into it towards it so we got the whole entire post-production pretty much done for free mm. and i mean when it comes to these projects like independent first one you're gonna have to work the deals sometimes too because there just is no funding but when people mm -hmm. believe in a project and they really want to be a part of something um and there's a seriousness behind it and there's professionalism behind it i think you can get people excited about wanting to be a part of something that may become something you know further along the way somewhere that's exactly what happened with us this film um we had done we had done a proof of concept short which was just one scene from it and that got people really excited especially right. the local filmmakers and potential investors you know they were really excited by the quality of work that we we produced and the acting and these two characters were really engaging so that really helped us you know, gain gain the trust of our crew members, our cast members, and everyone pulled together to make this film practically for free because we were able to cover costs that were essential. And everyone um, on the island, you know, everyone, all our cast and crew were compensated, but it just, you know, not as much as they could have or should have been because it was such grueling work. Right. Speaking of the the cast, what was the casting process like? Who, um, and you know, how how did you go through this? How were you able to cast the actors and actresses you got in the film? And let me tell you, I mean, one thing I really noticed when I was watching it is mm -hmm. it was an amazing act performance from from the main characters in this film. You know. 
Lisa is actually someone that I grew up with. So Lisa is the victim in the movie. Yes, and she plays Joanna, and she's fantastic. She is, she's originally from Germany, and she grew up in Tobago. Um, her parents had a dive school, so she grew up like you know diving, diving off the coast of the island, and sort of you know in rugged terrain as well. So this film. She was in her element. So all those scenes where she's barefooted, she was barefooted the whole entire time. And she was able to really put herself in the position of being in the jungle. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching when they were walking through the ravine and the rivers and she was barefoot and freezing and and she was really shivering. You know, it it felt real, you know. Yeah, she, she was amazing. And then Arnold, Arnold is a celebrity on the island he does so many so much like he does so many different you know productions whether it's stage whether it's music whether it's commercials who's he playing in the film he's the villain yeah and he was really intense the biggest thing is like in 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 real life the um the kidnapper he was really tiny and he was able to bring this force with him, you know, to be able to break into a house. I don't want to give too much away, but to be able, this small person, to be able to scare big guys into submission, you know, to, you know, just, just on his, on his presence. And Arnold was able to capture that. So you, you, the, uh, mostly Trini- Trinidadian cast and crew you work with, right? Yeah, so that was really special because um, over eighty, over eighty percent of our cast and crew were from Trinidad. Um, we our main, our main key, like above the line uh, crew members. Our DP was from New York. Our editor was from Florida, and our AC, our first AC, fr- was from the states. Right. Those, what about the ki- the it. cast? And then we had an actor who played her dad. His name is Kirk Boltz. Um, he was in Reservoir Dogs. You should remember him. He was the officer who got his air shot off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how were you able to secure him? Is he, is he, does he have a trendy background or how did that come about? He's actually familiar with the island because he's done work um, through different organizations there because he's also an acting coach. So he was, he, he's done work with the local actors there as well. Um, so we were able to cast him to play the dad but you know we're all proud of the pro- we're all very proud of the project because low budget local crew you know um you know every really everyone really brought their a game and it just shows like we can do this we can have an industry right. that that produces really top-notch products yeah, trinidad you mean yeah i think the yeah. caribbean yeah. On a whole, but Trinidad especially, because we have, the government has really been backing us as filmmakers, which is really important. We have incentive programs and um, we have the education. So like the university, UE, University of West Indies in Trinidad, they have a huge film program and it's free. Oh, so wow. yeah, That's so great. there are a lot of filmmakers coming out. W- yeah. What's the state of, uh, of filmmaking in Trinidad today? I mean, do you think... What do you think the potential is there for, you know, for development there? Um, as I said, like between the between the cast, like between having trained actors and having trained crew members, it's really impressive. 
because we have great DPs. We have great um, technical departments like the grip departments and um, hair and makeup all the way, especially when it comes to like wardrobe and design, because we are a carnival country. And, you know, when it comes to like designing uh, anything, you know, we're really, really good at it. Yeah. So and what I love when I was watching, it's just this, this, the scenics of it, you know, like it looks beautiful. It's very mountainous. I mean, you had beautiful shots. I mean, what was it like to wake up in that environment every day how many days were you shooting so we shot for 18 days right um 18 uh consecutive days yeah 18 consecutive well no they weren't consecutive we shot for 18 days and then we shot for like three days but that was with a skeleton crew right also 18 days with like a full full crew um we had a couple days off here and there not many uh, the biggest concern was weather because right. we're a dry island or a rainy season island. So, and we were in the mountains. So, we were in the hills. And if there was a downpour, we would have been stuck and there would have been landslides and we would have been a mess. <laughs> but that didn't happen. It didn't happen. We got really, really lucky. Yeah. And what was it like waking up every morning? I mean, what kind of accommodations did you have them in lo on a low budget? You have local c crew, so mm -hmm. how do, do, were they staying at a hotel with you all? Were they arriving? Like, how did the logistics of that work out? Right, we only had uh, we were only able to secure accommodations for a couple nights, um, and it was really grueling for a lot of the crew members because they some of them live on the other side of the island and they have to travel, like you know, take bus or taxi and it might take them like three hours in traffic just to get to our location for call time for like 5 a.m 5 a.m call time yeah it was really yeah. grueling for some people i mean i had to drive as well because i was you know a new mom so i couldn't stay on location i had to drive back and forth from my mom's house oh you're <laughs> staying with your town. mom yeah, yeah from town all the way to the to the bush you know up into the hills right and i had to go home because i was a new mom and i was still nursing oh wow so okay yeah that sounds like you had a lot of things going on while you were filming oh yeah i mean on your sure. mind too no yeah being a new mom and all yeah so i was a new mom and uh, yeah it was a lot of my mind i mean i had to i think that being a mom really helped me focus though you know and really get this done and and put my all into it because you know you, you, you're already functioning without sleep so you get accustomed to that you know <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you get accustomed to sleep last night and you know I just try to get every opportunity to be able to work on my my shot list for the next day right and um, yeah it was it was tough because I hadn't been away from my my kid for you know since I had I, I had him so being away from him for so many days, you know, on and off was really, really challenging. But, you know, I had good support. So, yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, besides that, I mean, what what were some of the biggest challenges that you were facing out there in, in the jungles of Trinidad filming this? Oh, wow. Um, there were many logistical challenges. Um, one of the first one was when I arrived on the island and we had like a couple weeks of pre-production during that time a sh the shed was supposed to be being built and we had picked a location and I remember i had done all my pre-production from basically skype so i was right. up in south florida and my producers in trinidad were sending me pictures and videos and casting reels for right. people and 
that's how I was making my decisions. I wasn't physically there. So when I physically got there, it was, you know, there were a couple of things that that we had to like kind of put fires out. And one was the shed. So the shed was some is a shed that you guys were building for a specific scene in the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very so, important scenes. That's right. where she's she's kept. Okay. She's kept in the shed. In the shed, yeah. And um we were building it and the hope was of course it has to look like an old um, overgrown like dilapidated, dilapidated yeah. shed and the location that we had chosen unfortunately didn't work so when i got there and the cinematographer Why got not? there because the 360 you know there was only 180 of it would have worked but that's if we, our camera was just pointing in those directions all the time but you're we're handheld Right. It wasn't. It wasn't dingy enough. It wasn't. It wasn't dingy enough. And then if you looked this way, if you, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to have a three sixty. So if you, we would see a road, right. or we would see some flowers that didn't exist. It, it was too manicured. Basically, sure. what was around too us. Too pretty. Too pretty. And accessible. Yeah, and the shed. You know, of course, the wood was looking a little newer, and it just, it just didn't work out. So we were freaking out because we only had, <laughs> that was. We only had like one week until we were scheduled to shoot. And the shed was some of the first scenes that we were going to take in our schedule. So we decided to go on a location scout. um, And we were actually looking for something else. We were going into the cocoa plantation. So we were looking for cocoa pods, right? Because that was something we really wanted to to show them walking through. Because it's beautiful, right? To walk through a cocoa plantation. And while we were there, um, my DP was like let's keep on walking up this hill and i was like okay man i am like recovering from bronchitis right? i could barely breathe i'm coughing i'm like, okay fine we'll go up this hill so we go up this hill it was really really steep you know and he's like well you know i was like i don't think there's much we could shoot here we have enough bush down the hill we're good you know and he's like no let's keep on going and we we turn the corner and as we turn the corner there it is a shed a perfect shed exactly almost exactly like how we would have imagined our shed to be it was overgrown it was galvanized it was dilapidated it was in the middle of overgrown foliage and bush and wow out of nowhere you just got really lucky it was serendipitous yeah it had to happen that Mm. way and we just let out a sigh of relief and we shot there wow great that's awesome so that sounds like a pretty big challenge to me yeah, that was pretty challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, there were so many other little things, but we got really lucky. They, a lot of things could have happened. Um, you know, we were worried about snakes and yeah. not, I mean, yeah, you have insects, snakes. I mean, you're out there hours on end shooting in the jungle. You know, were, yeah. I mean, the sun protection from the sun. I don't know. Was it comfortable? Was it frustrating on set sometimes? Was it getting a little... You know, were people's patience kind of running out maybe at times? Yeah, I think um, not for not for the not for the ones that were in the story. So when you're like working on the actual set set and you're you're, you're too busy to even to really even notice. But there are there are other crew members, obviously, who would either have to deal with the frustrations of how am I going to get that truck up that hill? <laughs> right because there would right. be times that we're like oh call right. action on your hand Some, somebody yelling down the hill it's stuck it's stuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh put it in reverse put it in reverse <laughs> right and you're like shit okay <laughs> cut <laughs> what's happening right, right. <laughs> right? so yeah. it was it was a lot of um 
I had such a great support system that I, I wasn't, you know, I was blocked away from that kind of stress because I couldn't deal with it. I had to direct this film, you know. But, you know, there were, there were times. There were times. Yeah. Do, do, do you look back and, and do you reflect on the experience? And do you kind of like really realize some of the things that you can do differently better next time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this was a micro-budget film. And I think that our, our final product... Um, It doesn't reflect that. It looks like a million bucks or more. You know, people would say, you know, the production value is excellent. And, um, you know, I just wish in hindsight, you know, we did everything that we could have done to have raised funds and stuff like that because it's such a touchy topic, yeah. this topic. Um, it was hard for us to get sponsors and it was hard for us to get too much backing for it. It was um, also a little controversial, the, the, the mm -hmm. whole story. Um, tell, tell us about, a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I think we released the film in a time where there's a lot of uh, controversy when it, came, when it comes to, to race. Um, and this film was never, you know, never meant to really address that. It was, you know, it was, it's a true story. So we casted our our actors based on on what really happened and i think some people feel uncomfortable about it right because of the the, dip, the people that are involved and to me it's like well we do mention it we do mention in the film that it is a class it was a class struggle you know she was rich and oh she was perceived as rich She actually wasn't. She was, her family was going through a lot of financial struggles, but she was perceived as rich. And he was, he was poor, but he wasn't even part of the society. His society didn't even want him because they knew he was kind of crazy. He's, he's a, he was a, a petty th a theft in the village, and he had his own emotional and psychological problems. So we really tried to, to tell both of their stories and how the two kind of, you know went on this crossroads and met racism is not just something that happens obviously in the united states that's uh, you know everywhere in the world you have some sort of it you know even, uh, obviously also in trinidad and tobago so mm -hmm. um just to put it in perspective so the the lead actress or the person that was kidnapped she's of very light skin complexion right yeah and the caucasian. person caucasian but Trini from trinidad right? yes and then uh, the person who kidnapped her is much darker so that that's something that some critics saw and mm -hmm. made comments about and wrote a review about yeah and i thought that was really kind of a cheap shot at us especially since you know man you know nowadays with the uh, me too movement and stuff like that i mean women really are on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to social justice <laughs> because how could you look at a film like this and not sympathize with the fact that a woman is kidnapped and violated right but then you just see oh it's a race thing that they felt offended that um, we decided to make this film at this time. But it was when you're trying to make a film, it's years and years of, of, of development, right. you know, and it's a true story. And it's, it is about a woman who was kidnapped and, and taken advantage of. And that's just the bottom line. doesn't matter what colors they were or who or how it was a man's power over a woman. Do you think a, a man could have directed it the way that you did? 
Um, I th- it would have definitely had more action. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I do like action, I um, we tried really hard to stay within the true scope of the story. We did embellish a little bit here and there because you know you have a certain amount of time to tell the story, and there are beats that you have to 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 be able to reach, and you know different story arcs and stuff. Um, so we really tried to stay within what happened. You know, and not embellish too much. Do you remember the last day on on set when you knew, okay, this is it. We're we're going home after this. This is your last day, and we're excited. We're gonna have a rap party, and and you know that's it. How how was that? That was awesome. Um, it was we got to to shoot in our favorite location on the last day, and it was really kind of easy day. And that location is you'd see it at the end of the film, and it's um, a beautiful cliff overlooking such an amazing view so that was great i think a lot of people were so relieved because it was hard work as i said you know um everyone put 110 percent into it everyone so and every i think everyone is really proud of it as well yeah you know yeah, they might have been be. it look i mean it looks amazing Thank you know you. it's got a definitely a, a great quality to it shot beautifully mm-hmm. beautiful acting and great directing i mean i enjoyed watching it you know um Talk to me a little bit about the post process. So you got finished, you got the thing in the can. Now, now you're off to the the edit, the ever so fun post production. How did that go? Right. So our editor, who's also our third producer on executive producer on the film, he um, he basically worked tirelessly for less than six months. I think it was like maybe four months on the edits. And, and, that, and that's your husband as well. Yes, okay. that's my husband so that's, as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so Small little detail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so the editor, my husband. <laughs> right, okay, okay wait. the editor, my husband, right? <laughs> All right, let's start this over. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, ahead. let's start you're it good, over. Let's start okay, so the post pro. pro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely need a sip after that one. Take the whole thing. That's blackmail. You're gonna take it and send it to him. <laughs> yeah, oh, Richard is not mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not not the, not the bloopers. <laughs> Keep going. All right. So, yes. the, your husband, uh, the editor. Um, how did that go? Okay. So the post production process. Um, my husband, who's another producer, and is also the editor of the film, and he also did the drone photography. Um, he was working tirelessly on it for about four to six months. I mean, I think the edits, he had a first cut. I mean, he had a first cut while we were there on set because he was working in, in the tent, um, cutting cutting as we were shooting, you know. So we had a, we had a first cut as, as, as early as then. And then we had to, when we came back to South Florida, we just polished it, polished it, you know, cut it down. There were so many decisions that we had to make. It was so painful because, you know, in the editing process, you're just rewriting the story. There's just so, there's, uh, there were a lot of scenes that we did not get because of timing, logistics, shit happens. Um, So yeah, we had to rewrite scenes. We had to we had to um, not unfortunately we had to incorporate some voiceover that wasn't originally planned um and i think that that helped the story a bit um and yeah the editing process was basically not full-time so it was a part-time process um because all of us had to come back to work and uh, we're doing this thing at the side after hours (laughs) so what about the the sound did you have to record sound uh, in post and how did that work um no all the sound was beautifully recorded uh on set 
so our son in Janae on set was amazing um and we didn't have to do any folly or anything like that we really got the sound was really really captured well and you know Trinidadian sound sound man named Cedric I don't need I don't think you need to put all that because I can't remember his last name I don't remember last names I'm really bad at that um so Cedric the sound guy um (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll appreciate this no oh my god Uh, okay no he did an awesome job Cedric was awesome yeah Yeah. we did our color hair in Miami Mm mm-hmm so you did send it through the whole coloring process, as yeah. of course, as well. I mean, you Continental. wanted... Continental. Okay. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So th- then the distribution of it, you know, that's something... Did, y- did you think about distribution beforehand? Or is that something that, you know, that you're like, okay, now it's distribution time? <laughs> okay, so that's a really good question. So once color was finished, which we, we colored it in Miami at Continental. And once we did the sound mix and we did the music... <clears throat> we had a finished product and we were trying very hard to meet the Trinidad and Tobago Film Festival deadline because that was going to be our world uh, right. premiere at sure. home, right? Sure. Um, so that was a lot of work to get all of that done. But we did it, you know, we did it off of no budget. and Meaning you got it in time to submit to the festival. Correct. Right. Well, that's um, good. That was really good. Right. So we didn't have time to think about distribution, to think about um, publicists, to think about any of that stuff because we were just really trying hard to finish the movie. So once you release it, it's like, well, what's next? Okay, festivals. We didn't get into a lot of festivals we had hoped we would have gotten into, but we did get into a handful that were pretty good. And that's where you think, oh, you're going to meet your distributor, you're going to meet your agent, and that didn't really happen either. I don't want to sound so sad. Okay. Basically, um, what in hindsight, if I were to do it all over again, I would definitely have a plan for distribution beforehand. It's almost like just have those things lined up. Have your contacts, have your companies that are interested in the product project lined up and waiting for you. Because once you're done making that movie, you are too burnt out. To even talk to anyone on the phone, to even be like, you know, to even communicate with people with the same vigor that you might have had beforehand. Right. So you want to do the legwork when you still have the stamina and the and the energy and and the because it's pre pre post. I mean pre field then post and the distribution is part of that really part of the post. You know, like thinking it all the way through. Especially since like with the distribution is always timing. It's always you have to be able to predict what the market wants as well so you know it's really it's really interesting because i've learned a lot through this process and we did eventually get distribution it didn't take us long like we got distribution pretty quickly and now we're on many platforms we launched in 2018. talk to me a little bit about you know what is it that if you had an advice to give to someone that is now today where you were right before you had the opportunity to make this film Mm -hmm. and has this passion and and Mm -hmm. has this drive and is willing and wanting and ready to go Mm -hmm. what's your one piece of advice that you would give to that person um don't give up just do it you're gonna get a lot of rejection and there's gonna be a lot of disappointment but once you have a team and that's another thing too i think a lot of filmmakers tend to want to do things on their own like you might have the ability to shoot it you might be have the ability to edit it you know but the more eyes on your project 
the better in my in my opinion um because you know you and and in good eyes like people that you trust um, meaning constructive criticism on the work or what do you mean by look having eyes looking at it workload as well from a creative perspective because a lot of a lot of filmmakers tend to want to write direct shoot and and edit their own work and of course like that's the best way to do it for yourself to keep costs down um, but there are people willing to to work with with new filmmakers who have new ideas for next to nothing or for free just to get the experience as well and just to be able to work on a cool project you know so what i'm basically saying is collaboration is so important like i think our team was really really strong and that's why we were able to do what we did wow cool do you want to make another one Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. What do, you, what do you have in mind? Anything yet? I do. I have, um, I have a couple of feature ideas. I have one script that was um, accepted into the Sundance Writers Lab. I have a couple other projects that I'm working on, even though, you know, it, I have projects that are, you know, uh, Caribbean themed and also projects that are like themed for South Florida. Right. Awesome. Well, listen, yeah. good luck to you. Thank you. Uh, congrats on your first feature. Thank and uh, it's available, uh, the cut list on Prime, Amazon Prime. Yes. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Darisha, thank you so much for being on Full Focus with me today. Thank you, Arash. <laughs>